Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by a guy who's not going into the Hall of Fame this year. What's up, Chuck? I am not going in the Hall of Fame this year. Um, it is one of my final years of eligibility. I don't know what Hall of Fame I'm eligible for, um, but it's <laughs> I'm running out of time. And that's deeply concerning to me, and it should be deeply concerning to you. If you want to express those concerns to me, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And uh, and if you are if you are concerned, have no fear. Uh, Gene will be with us shortly, uh, but we're going to get started here. So, uh, Chuck, big news of the day. Well, we got a couple of big newses newses of the day. Uh, where do you want to start? You want to start Hall of Fame since that's kind of where we uh, we did the intro with. Yeah, let's. Especially since I guess there's technically nothing to talk about. It's kind of like a shocker. Baseball is going to lead the show today. Yeah, and <laughs> um, I'm happy to talk about baseball. It's a cold, miserable day. Uh, feels like spring, feels like summer, but exciting baseball news. We'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, yeah, nobody's going to the hall. It no one got the required. Yeah, no one got the required 75% of the uh, Baseball Writers of America vote uh, to get into the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Philly, former Philly Kurt Schilling was the closest with 71.1%. Uh, and it, it kind of opens the door to a larger question. I really don't think many people would say that he would disagree that his, his on-the-field performance and statistics warrant Hall of Fame induction. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, maybe not first ballot, probably not first ballot, but if he were no, just Kurt Schilling, the guy, you know, we wouldn't be talking year nine and him not being in the hall. He'd, he'd be going, you know, um, but he's certainly earned a, a reputation and earned um, the, the distrust, the character issues. Um, he was surrounded by roids too. I mean, I guess the one way not to be accused of doing steroids is to have a body like Kurt Schilling's. Um, that's that keeps you looking pretty clean. No one, no one has accused us lately. Uh, yeah, no performance enhancing drugs. No. Um, but yeah, so you know, let's take that. Let's take the on the field debate sort of off the table because yeah. you know, goddamn, like in the late nineties, you know. I, I, I watched that, you know, every, like it was must see TV, every Kurt yeah. Schilling start, you were glued. And, you know, I'm sure if Gene was here, he'd tell you, oh, if you saw in the newspaper, it was Schilling and Maddox, you're going down to the vet. You have a section all to yourself uh, for an $8 ticket. And, and you're going to watch a, a just straight up legit marquee pitching matchup, Hall of Famer versus, you know, potential Hall of Famer, uh, no doubt about it. But so, I mean, Chuck, do you know how far down the rabbit hole Kurt Schilling goes? Because I don't really, like, follow him on social media and stuff. I don't follow him on social media. Um, I'm not one who would be inclined to. Of of the two of us, you're the one who followed uh, followed nails on, um, on Twitter or, or whatever his um, – public breakdown happened <laughs> i i do not follow kurt Schilling, um but apparently he is a QAnon guy i was gonna ask because i know he's like a trump guy and you know he's pretty far right wing i didn't know if he dipped his toe into the QAnon pool or not yeah apparently he's big into q yeah into okay. q, where one goes so go we all i think <laughs> don't don't quote me on that i don't even know why i know that but he's apparently big into q He's just been an asshole all around. Yeah, I was sure. we talked about on the show before of uh, his like game development company that defrauded people. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been just a general loudmouth and a crank. And the thing that really, um, well, just to get everyone up to speed, if you don't know, Kurt Schilling, a few days ago, people were trying to retract their ballots, people who have voted for him. And I don't think we ever got official word, but I think the answer was no. I don't think those ballots were retracted. Because were they? did they vote before the storming of the Capitol? Yes, they did okay. vote and before he, he did come 10. out in support of that? He did. He yeah, did. Okay. Now, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't as unequivocal as it could be. Right. I mean, but it was definitely, it was definitely calling the people who were doing these things, like, 
you know, praising yeah. them, saying yeah, other people are sitting at home and all that kind of crap. Yeah. So he, I don't know if he called them patriots, but if he did, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. But a few days ago, people were looking to retract their ballots or want their ballots back to change it. And the Hall of Fame said they worry about the precedent and sets. I tend yeah. to agree with the Hall of Fame. You know, if you didn't have enough evidence in front of you that Kurt Schilling might not be someone you want to vote for. Well, I mean, well yeah, this is where this conversation is going to go because, yeah. I mean, are we just going to say any, um, any conservative-leaning... Uh, player shouldn't be considered for the Hall of Fame. Like what? No, that's what? What in your like? So would you vote for Kurt Schilling for the Hall of Fame? Before January sixth, yes. So once I once they made that argument, once it left my mouth, I'm like, uh, it would have changed my mind as well because that that goes beyond politics. That goes beyond being an asshole. As far as we know, Kurt Schilling never cheated the game. As far as we know, Kurt Schilling never right. bet on the game, which uh, right. apparently we had Pete Rose on line two and has dropped off. Um, Pete, we'll get back to you. Um, oh, see now, Pete's not even fun because his relationship with the young girls. Yeah, um, no, you gotta gotta watch that. Yeah, so go to hell, Pete. But well, Schilling didn't even do that. Schilling didn't even do that. He right. did some minor fraud and uh, just is kind of an asshole. He just kind of got caught up in a caught up in a belief system that led him down you know a dark path yeah you know i i honestly hadn't put much thought into the question would i vote for him on january 7th and i do think the answer is no and i think i would have voted for him on january 5th um mm. because he he didn't do anything that disqualified him for the hall before that point and i mean dave before we go to the next part of this drama would you have you know, as you were answering the question, I'm kind of like still still wrestling with it. Yeah. Uh, I think I I probably would be okay voting Kurt Schilling into the Hall of Fame. And yeah. I agree that m more than on-the-field performance goes into whether or not you're worthy, you know, for the Hall of Fame. I, I do feel that – and hey, Gene – you Hello, saved me from having to friend. answer a very difficult question. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it. I do think more goes into it than your on on the field performance. However, I I don't know. I, I look at some of these people as victims. You know, like you you're caught up in a cult. I mean, yeah. it, it, it is kind of close to that, and it's like you're brainwashed and you're consuming this. You, you know these messages that and you just don't even know what you're believing anymore. And I, I do think there's going to be an awakening uh, where people are going to, you know, stumble out of the cave and realize, uh, you know, that they've been fooled by puppet masters all along. Um, they go back to the cave and tell them what they've seen. They get killed. <laughs> That's how that I, I mean, goes. did not even, he didn't commit a crime. He just has a whacked out view of politics right now. And you know, I don't know who knows who know. you know what I mean? Like who knows what existing hall of famers have the same belief system. Are you going to expel them? You know, I, I don't know. It's a slippery slope. Just put it that, put it that way. Do any of those guys have Twitter? Cause I think that would be how we could find this information. Now. <laughs> but again, I don't know how bad the Kurt Schilling stuff is. What what has Mickey Mantle tweeted lately? I want to know. <laughs> I'm gonna throw him out if I if I can. A Mick. That sounds right, like throwing on stuff to me. Uh, <laughs> online one. <laughs> <laughs> so Gene, would you vote for Kurt Schilling into the Hall of Fame? Um, I've always thought he was thought he was sort of a borderline case. I think that there's a bit of mythology that sort of surrounds him, and his numbers aren't particularly bad, but they aren't. Um, his numbers are not bad. No, that's what I mean. I don't mean not particularly bad. His numbers are good, but he's not. The numbers are not like it's so insane that it's um, that you have to put him in. And the thing is, the Baseball Hall of Fame has gotten to a point where we've got so many problems with with guys like Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, where you you almost can't even consider numbers. I mean, you you have the current 
by um, like literal sense, the current home run king and hit king are both not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. And those are sort of the two huge numbers in baseball or the, the person who has the most hits and the person who has the most home runs. And neither one of those guys is in the Hall of Fame with really any sign that they will be included at any point until they're long dead. Um, and even then, you talk to Shoeless Joe Jackson. He's still waiting to get in. Um, so I think that there is certainly a morality aspect to um, let me just to I'm just gonna throw, I'm not we're not really a statistics driven show, but Kurt Schilling's war for his career is seventy nine point five. What do you believe? Do you believe Sandy Koufax's war is higher or lower? Sandy Koufax higher or lower? I feel like I'm on card sharks. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say lower than the ten. Yeah, it's obviously lower, else I wouldn't be asking it. But he forty-eight point nine, significantly wow. lower. Significantly lower. Yeah. I mean, lower. his Kurt Schilling's war is massive. Yeah, yeah. And if 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 it's Hugo as was, any right winger would be proud of, very <laughs> high war. And but the thing is, I think Kurt Schilling does himself such a disservice because if he really did want to be in the Hall of Fame, I think that there is a he doesn't have the stink of like the the steroid era in in like the actual steroid he just problem. had to be cool man that's that's the thing is he just had to be fonzie if you can just be chill and you know ex exert yourself as an ambassador of the game um at least until you get into the hall of fame i think that that's partly why the writers are sort of turned off is it's like man you can't even just relax long enough to get yourself into the hall of fame right. um, or, or go join tim thomas uh, off in his bunker somewhere, you know, go, go to your, you know, little cab, you know, cabin, write your Unabomber manifesto and then come back for the hall of fame. You know, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, we're also big on the busts that go into the hall of fame. So mm. if Kurt Schilling did make it into the hall of fame, it's a Red Sox cat. Yeah. It's a Red Sox hat or a, a diamond back hat. Um, just because I don't know how many D backs are in there. There's a lot of D bags in there, but I don't know how many diamond bags are there. Just, <laughs> just stretch the bloody sock. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, he won what, right. two championships with the Red Sox, um, one with the diamond backs and none with the Phils. None. World series appearance. One world series appearance. I mean, oh, every team goes Every team goes to the, uh, you know, the classic. So. Yeah, can we get one, his bust with the towel over his head? Yeah. I mean, absolutely tremendous postseason pitcher. Yeah. yeah. Tremendous. All-time, all-times as far as postseason performance. And as far as being clutch in those situations. You know, I mean, he, it, when he was called on to, um, to get a win, you know, in a tight spot uh, on uh, yeah. many, many occasions, he, he delivered. My favorite, my favorite, you know, I don't know my favorite, but one distinct Kurt Schilling memory of mine is how he would always pitch eight innings and then have a towel over his head draped down because he couldn't bear to watch Mitch Williams close the game. It's just such a like a distinctive memory for me from that from that ninety three year. Okay, uh, some more Hall of Fame stuff because the 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 next three on the list are also sort of interesting. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, uh, both with around sixty one percent of the vote, uh, and their last year is next year as well. So, do you believe they will get in? Do you believe that the sports writers are kind of just saying, "I'm going to make you twist," I, and then I in the last year we'll do it. I, if I had to put money on it, I would say yes. I would say there's going to be some sort of baseball writer collusion saying mm -hmm. that, okay, we made them wait long enough. They do right. need to be in the hall, at least Bonds. I mean, Clemens should be as well, but Bonds, regardless of <laughs> the stuff he put in his body to get it done, he's part of history. I mean, we've said it on the show before. Um, you know, we're big proponents of the asterisks. You know, we, I think, I know we've had a discussion about whether they should be in the hall or not and say, yeah, put them in the hall, put a big fucking asterisk going, this is what they did, but they deserve to be here. So I think 
I'm not betting a lot of money, but if I had to bet, I'd say, yeah, they're going in next year. I have the same sense that there might be some sort of movement for to get bonds in. It just partly because there is evidence that he probably could have gotten into the Hall of Fame before he decided to start like supercharging. Um, he had, was having a pretty phenomenal career anyway, um, and certainly tarnished his own reputation by following through with all of that. But I think more importantly, um, sort of to, to Chuck's point, we, we, we have talked about the, the idea of the asterisks, but more importantly, we've sort of talked about what does the hall of fame mean? Is it the hall of the best person or is it the hall of the best numbers? Is it the hall of the history of baseball? And I think this is really the, the moment where the hall of fame and the writers association, they need to decide what they really are. If you're going to be the hall of the best person, the most moral and most representative of baseball, like the ethos that you want to have children grow up and, and, you know, cause then I think Chase Utley becomes a first hall ballot hall of famer. Um, if you're throwing out statistics and you're really taking it on uh, work effort and uh, and and likability, then no, I think Chase Utley goes in uh, first ballot. But I don't think that's what what's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is Barry Bonds because there's just not the same sort of thing like you have with Pete Rose where there was a lifetime ban. Um, I think you have to put your home run king in. Uh, especially now that Hank Aaron is no longer alive. I think there was a certain amount of they didn't want to do it Why Aaron was would have been there to have to watch it happen. Um, and I don't know if that's true. It's, maybe that's just my feeling. Uh, Clemens is another one that I feel sort of just rubs people the wrong way. Although Roger Clemens probably, if asked, would go and pitch tomorrow to try to make the point that he could still do well, it. Well, I think Roger Clemens falls into that sort of same category you're talking about. I mean, I doubt Roger was juicing in 1986 when he struck out 20 guys in a game. Right, right. But I don't yeah. think he was. I don't think. But I was. think. But I also think that that's sort of like I want these guys in, and this is going to be my, you know, argument as to why I think it's acceptable to put them in. Right. But I, I'm so mad at those guys. Like still. Yeah. It's hard for me to, to to swallow that pill and say, okay, put him in. Oh, Even I, though I, Pete Rose is still, you know, they, you know, baseball's already said like it's not happening, so forget it. But I mean, yeah. for example, and and Dave, you might have had this conversation with with your kids. I know I've had this conversation with my nephew where I don't he talk asked to my me. Kids. Oh well, <laughs> the best. Um, <laughs> that's why I talk to my brother's kids. Um, <laughs> So, but I remember asking my, my nephew, my nephew was asking, you know, who had the most home runs in the league and all this other stuff. And I, yeah. I made a point when asked about that to be like, well, it's, this is Barry Bonds, but, you know, and then sort of illustrate the, the controversy and say, but, you know, maybe he was doing things that helped him do it. And then there was this other guy named, you know, Hank Aaron. And before that there was Babe Ruth. So I sort of, now the story becomes about the history of baseball and not, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, who has the most home runs? It's Hank Aaron. Boom. That was the end of the conversation. Right. Now it becomes a little bit more nuanced. No, if you ask my if you ask my oldest son what you know, what is the record for home runs, he's gonna say 755. You know, because we we have had the con we had the conversation about it when when Hank Aaron passed away, which we also, you know, didn't talk about. Um yeah. because you know it, it's important, you know, he's a significant figure in in baseball history. Barry Bonds is a significant figure also, but for, you know, very, very, very different, very different reasons. One, one is a, a is a, a hero and yeah. an American that should be revered. And one is a cautionary tale that you can be at the peak of your career and make bad decisions. And exactly. those, those Icarus wings will only take you so close <laughs> to the sun. Exactly. Um, and then fourth on the list with uh, 50, uh, 53% of the vote, uh, Fan favorite Scott Rowland. Ooh. <laughs> Who's getting ever closer? <laughs> He'll probably get it. He's already been there. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, what's better than baseball heaven? I was just, I, I only queued it up to hear you bitch about baseball heaven. <laughs> yeah, All right. Let's it. move on from the Hall of Fame and the big news of the day. JT's back. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Even, even though this has been percolating for a bit, 
even though it looked like it was going to happen and, you know, a lot of people were saying that the Phillies were the leader in the clubhouse, I've seen what happens when the Phillies are the leader in the clubhouse. Um, they fall back to the pack. But it's, it's called August. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I, I was cautiously optimistic, but I had given up hope on Real Muto months ago. I thought, we're done. We're done. And this change in management, maybe they got it done, but I, I wasn't hearing a thing. When Clantac was still, you out. think it's potentially part of Dombrowski like coming over? He's like, you know, look, I'm not going to come over there, and then you're going to turn off the flow of money. We're going to have to get some stuff done, and also, you look like a giant horse's ass that you <laughs> trade your number one prospect, and then let the guy you traded for just walk. Yeah, and the guy you gave the franchise to. You know, you, you you have a big paycheck for Bryce Harper, and then like it goes back in the pocket, you know, the pocketbook, and it's like, all right, what what do we have in the couch? You know, <laughs> yeah, with, with nickels, what sort of other players can we forward? And yeah, Harper stars was saying, and we're t- we're adopting a stars and scrubs mentality with this team. Yeah, I mean that's certainly what it seemed like, but I'm thrilled. I'm sort of five year term, perfect. I don't care how much money he's getting, good for him. But five year term. Love it. I could not be happier. Yeah, that's about that's about the length of his catching career will be anyway, because he'll be what thirty five at that point or thirty six. Um, yeah, right in that neighborhood. I had an interesting conversation on Twitter. Do you think at the end of this contract will JT Realmuto be the greatest catcher in Philly's history? Uh, I think if they are able to win a World Series in that window, he could certainly make a if they do not if they don't even make the playoffs in that window i mean then it would have to come down to the numbers i mean the best catcher in philly's history well here here's your candidates yeah, the candidates well, are darren dalton mike lieberthal boone and ruiz yeah, yeah. so i mean you, you don't have to do a lot as far as statistics um i would think to pass but I mean, Boone's got a ring. Chooch's got a ring. Um, I mean, but Chooch was not a a star player. He was a, a good player at times uh, and a beloved player. Doesn't mean that he would be. Yeah, I mean, best don't, player. I mean, <laughs> you're not going to list Pedro Feliz as one of the you know four best third basemen of Philly's history because he has a right. ring. Right, but but um, I love Chooch though. But Boone, I always, and, I always crap on Chooch. And Darren Dalton did play in a World Series, and he won a World Series with. Um, Marlins with the Marlins, and he was clearly the lifeblood of the the organization. He was, uh, you know, he was this heart and soul while he was a player, and then was a, a major ambassador for the Phillies when he when he left his playing career. But mm. again, not a guy better player than Chooch, and certainly better than Feliz. Um, and and but I think that JT is a has the potential to be a very special player offensively and definitely defensively. He's going to win you games just by the way he plays defense. And uh, God, it, it would be, I feel like there would be some sort of a major funk on the whole operation. If you go the next five years with what they've sort of got in place and can't figure out a way to at least make the playoffs, that would be sort of catastrophic. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe the toughest division in, in baseball, but yeah, but you have to. You can only play what 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 you've got in front of you, and you need. I get it. Right away. I mean, the Boston Red Sox were one World Series out of the NL East. I hear you, man. I hear you. Look, I rank them. I rank them. Dalton, Dalton one, Lieberthal two, Boone three, and Ruiz four, and then Sal Fasano five. Right. Um, I think. I think if JT play if if JT manages to get you know he's already played two seasons if he gets seven seasons in as Phillies catcher he will be number one because he's offensively I mean he's offensively and defensively superior to any other catcher we've had in this town yeah yeah I mean Dalton is you know he's past Dalton offensively and I I mean maybe Ruiz. I can't. I don't know if it's Ruiz or Lieberthal is the best defensive. I think they were sort of on par. I will say that yeah. Ruiz certainly had relationships with very 
uh, really good pitchers. And sure. there was certainly a an aspect to and those I mean, pitchers always, you know, gave him credit. Absolutely, as making them yeah. better. So yeah, that goes for something. But you know, we're even hearing as we bring in free agents right now that you know some of these guys that are coming in. Archie Bradley comes to mind saying they can't wait to throw to uh, to JT Romuto. So that's an exciting thing to think that he may be part of what is attracting other players in. You know, you have a core of JT Romuto and um, and Bryce Harper, and they're trying to recruit you into the organization. Those are two guys that you want to play with. So that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, I yeah. think I think the difference between best catcher in Philly's history versus most beloved is going to be a pretty big chasm. I think he's on a pretty clear track to, to be the best statistic catcher, uh, statistical catcher we've had. Um, raw talent wise. I think I, I haven't seen anybody better um, behind the plate for the fills, but Chooch is beloved, especially because of his relationship with those pitchers and maybe the, intangibles he brings as a common presence as a as a person calling the game or whatever the case may be and dutch is uh, what the number one or two most beloved phil of all time really you know so he has a long way to go you know in like fan consensus but i think um statistically statistically it almost be a disappointment if he's not the the greatest phil's catcher of all time yeah yeah, he's certainly uh, the best eye roll of any Philly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to other teams that aren't playing right now. Um, and did the Eagles hire a coach? That's the rumor. <laughs> I heard this somewhere. Snuck, snuck under the radar on us. Yeah, like uh, Christian Siriano or something. <laughs> what? Nick Sirianni? Uh, yeah, it was a dumb joke. It okay. was a dumb joke. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. I mean, you know, like we have a sports chat thread that we go through on text messages, which we re refer to on this show all the time. And you guys talked about it on Thursday for a hot minute and I didn't see it. And God damn, I didn't even know it even happened until Saturday morning. Oh, so wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, without any sort of fanfare or, you know, no one knows what to make of this. I mean, how do you feel about it? I'll let you lead, Gene, because the uh, I'm all about to meh. <laughs> well, uh, this was, uh, at first I had almost no reaction. I had to, the only reaction I think I had was this guy looked like Aaron Rodgers' stunt double. Uh, I think that's about all I could muster out. Um, so I had to go. And I'll be honest, the reason why I had to figure this all out, because I knew as soon as I saw my father, he was going to have 50 million questions as to who this guy was and why he right. should care. Um, so I needed to have come up with something so that I could explain to him how he should feel. Because if I don't tell him, then I'm leaving him to his own devices. And God only knows what he'll come up with. Um, so I, I did a little digging. And from what I understand, he's got some deep roots to the Chargers organization. He was one of the few coaches that was retained during a, I think during two different, I think he also had a time, a stretch in Kansas city where he was retained by head coaches in both situations, um, which I guess bodes well, which by that logic though, Deuce Staley should be uh, in the hall of fame as a head coach, hmm. um, but it hasn't really panned out for him. Um, then he went on to Indianapolis. I think he's been there two seasons. Uh, they've had, moderate success in Indianapolis. I think he's been the OC there for three years. But um, I mean, considering that uh, he came in as, as that in that organization sort of lost their cornerstone player and mm -hmm. sort of turned sideways and, and trying to adjust. Um, and he's had a different quarterback every year. Uh, they've had a pretty consistent offense and he comes highly recommended from Frank Reich, who I think that um, our front office clearly values his opinion. Uh, which is strange, considering they just fired Doug Peterson. That suddenly they're going, uh, sort of on the on the Doug Peterson uh, tree. Uh, well, real, real quick, Frank Reich's the one that got away. Oh, you know, oh I agree. Frank Reich. Yeah, they yeah. they're pining for him like uh, they'd be pining for Gruden all those years. Oh my god! Oh my god! The Frank Reich stuff is with luck. Philly, pump the brakes on Frank Reich. 
I mean, so we won the Super Bowl, and then the next year we didn't win the Super Bowl. So all of a sudden, it's like, well, what got taken out of the equation? It's Frank Reich. Frank Reich's why we won the Super Bowl. Frank Reich's why Carson Wentz was great. Frank Reich is why Nick Foles did so well. Frank Reich is Jesus. Um, <laughs> I don't believe the. I mean the. I mean the Colts are okay, right? They're good. Yeah, they're okay. I, they're okay. I just don't. I just don't get the. And now it's like, oh well, Frank Reich told Nick Sirianni all the secrets to Carson Wentz, so he's going to come in and be like a proxy Frank Reich. It's like the Frank Reich obsession with this town is crazy. But you're right. I mean, like in the mentality of sports fans, like Frank Reich's the one that got away. It's like no one will ever be as great as Frank Reich was as yeah. you know, offensive court. Um, I I did see, I think it was on Instagram, that they are actually removing the Doug Peterson side mm. of the statue and they are erecting a a Frank Reich side. (laughs) I I love the revisionist history. We just retcon the Philly Philly. Yeah, that's going to be brought to you by Miller Lite. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's silly, silly. Um, So here's how I feel about it, right? So this was my understanding of the the way everything went down. It was Doug Peterson wanted to be a real boy and pick his own coaching staff. And Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Rosen were like, no. And Doug said, well, I want a Super Bowl, so you can't tell me what to do. And they were like, you're fired. Right? <laughs> Wasn't that kind of the story that we got told? That was oh, one of the narratives. So, all right. So then the real, the real like behind the curtain – uh, coaching search was we want someone we can control, <laughs> you know, um, who doesn't have a resume, who's inexperienced that we can kind of control. Uh, so they found, you know, another recommendation <laughs> from, uh, from you know, a, a former coach here. So they bring in Nick Sirianni, but then they let Nick Sirianni pick all his friends to be on the coaching staff. <laughs> yeah. So why the hell can Nick Sirianni pick whoever he wants to be on his coaching staff, but Doug Peterson can't? Yeah, it's good to be the king, apparently. It's good, Or it's good to be the nobody. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Sirianni's basically bringing in, like, a bunch of guys that got him out of DUIs from college and uh, going to make them. <laughs> this, is the most, this is the most, like, well, these guys really have potential coaching staff in the yeah. National Football League. Yeah, right it's now. a very, very, very high ceiling, you know, sort of situation. Yeah, I, I, I don't know a lot about these guys as, a, as these names sort of get get spun around the uh, the interweb. You, you sort of be like, who, who is this? Where is he coming from? What is he, what is he doing? And none of them have these things that like blow you away. I mean, I got to be honest. It's hard for me to gauge any of like what other teams <laughs> coordinators and coaches have done and that's what i feel like the city right now doesn't have an opinion because no one knows yeah right it's like well i guess it could be great we're like cautiously optimistic about it um i mean the w wip uh sort of populace they all were were clamoring for deuce daly for the fourth time and i don't know if that was that they really thought that deuce daly was the right coach for the team or they just felt bad that we keep interviewing him and not giving him a job, which doesn't seem on brand for the people that listen to talk radio. In the city. <laughs> but like, honestly, as I was going, I was like, do people just feel bad that Deuce keeps getting interviewed and getting shirked? Are they sort of empathizing with this? Are these people that don't ha- are unemployed? I mean, if you're listening to talk radio at like one o'clock in the afternoon and venting, uh, you probably don't have a job. I don't know. Um, you but, might be alienating our own audience too, so maybe tread lightly there, G. Well, I mean, it's not one I, o'clock in the afternoon right now. That is true. It and is also, definitely. I was listening to talk radio at one o'clock in the afternoon, so I resemble <laughs> these remarks. Um, but, but that's the thing is like, what do what do you know as a fan about what the what these what this interview process is even like? Who knows what questions are even being asked? And the thing I thought was actually very interesting, and this is something that I had not ever remembering getting wind of or hearing in the past. And this could just be because we are in a a new and exciting social media world. They actually had audio of Jeffrey Lurie calling up Nick Sirianni and offering him the job, uh, like as it was happening. Um, And leading up to that, there had been a lot of things where, you know, Lurie's camp or or Roseman's camp, the, the Eagles camp, had sort of gotten out there into the world, you know, he really crushed the 
um, the interview. Like there were there were some other good candidates, but he really stood out with what he said in the interview. Um, and so when you hear the phone call, and I recommend going and listening to it, it's not long, uh, but you have you know Jeffrey Laurie kind of getting on the horn, and he's real giddy, and he's like, you know, hey Nick, uh, I want to ask you an important oh, question. Nerd with that. <laughs> and uh, and I have Siri an important question to ask you. And Sirianni's like, will uh, you accept this rose? Of course, <laughs> Mister Laurie. Anything. <laughs> Sirianni's like, yeah, bro, what's up? <laughs> and uh, Lori's like, would you like to be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's this, like, we did a dramatic reenactment. Yeah. Of the, yeah. Of the, you don't I'm so excited. I want to be part of this franchise. Oh, man, I'm so excited. The whole, the whole thing was either the most absurd fanboy love fest or completely scripted and staged. I can't tell which it was. It might be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, but sort of the legend of, of Nick Sirianni is sort of being born out of this, you know, the, from the story that he, he, he was so busy that he couldn't even be bothered to, uh, to get like dress pants and a clean shirt to come to the interview. So we showed up in like workout clothes. So the Eagles brass got wind of it. So they all dressed in their workout clothes to make Nick feel more comfortable. Yeah, um, are, is Joseph A. Bank closed? <laughs> like, do they not have them in Florida or wherever he was on vacation at? I have no idea, but like, can you imagine like going on to any of your job interviews at places? They dress or... for me. <laughs> well, <right. laughs> Having never been able to interview for an NFL, I, I, I will tell you, if I was given to, to take a job as like ticket seller at the Eagles. I'm pretty sure I would make sure I had a shirt and tie, let alone apply for the job of head coach. So yeah. um, I don't know. And maybe that's one of these things where the Eagles love to sort of create this mythology around their processes. It's they love the story of how they arrive at these things. You know, there were all those stories about all of them traveling out to South Dakota and sitting in small restaurants with, with Carson Wentz and being unrecognized and, um, you know, these are all these things that they sort of create around this mythology of the team uh, as if that's what's going to be important is, you know, at least they have a fun story about how they hired somebody. Uh, but, I, I want, you know, in the end, we don't know whether this is good or bad. We didn't know with Doug Peterson either. Yeah, I want to jump in on, on two points with the, the hiring because we don't know what the process is like. And Gene, you're telling us, oh, these are the stories coming out of it. Do you remember the story of how Andy Reid got hired? It all came down to like he had this great notebook. It came down to the last five minutes of Wing Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Andy had used all of his timeouts. <laughs> but he had this like big notebook that was really impressive. And they were like, how is this quarterback's coach? You know, which is pretty unheard of at the time, like jumping all the way up to head coach. And it's like he had a great interview and it was just it all came down to Andy's magic notebook of scripted plays and and whatever. But at least that was a story. At least that's this is how he impressed us. And then I was just sort of thinking about the other coaches in the city. And you kind of have your development coach and then your coach to get you over the hump. You know, I could see Doug Peterson coming in at the early part of um, Carson's career, early part of Wentz's career. Now isn't the time to bring in your Doc Rivers, your Elaine Vino, you know, your Joe Girardi? Isn't it time to oh, bring in because they already got over the hump? Yeah, I think they stumbled over I think the hump. Starting right over now. again now. Yeah, you know, what I mean, it's one of those things where I, I somehow well, I mean, they got over the hump. But yeah. go on, sorry, Gene. <laughs> But that's what I mean is I, I think I remember even as 2017 was happening, I kept thinking like, this is too soon. Um, if this is, we, we, this, something feels wrong. Something's going to break. Something in the universe is going to collapse. The Eagles can't win the Super Bowl. And then they did. You secretly hate yourself. <laughs> I, I mean, Austin, I, G might have a point. Have you looked around lately? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like. We thought we we knew we were going to, have to pay for it somehow. I didn't think all of us were going to have to pay for it. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I don't it, care. We got that Super Bowl. It was all worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember saying early in September of 2017, God, if you can have the Eagles win the Super Bowl, I promise I won't leave my house between uh, December 2020 and sometime in 2025. Yeah. Um, I guess they. I should have been. Should be a little less specific. Um. 
but yeah, it, it's one of those things where they were ahead of schedule. And I was so excited because it's like, wow, we got this Super Bowl. We've got it in our pocket. And man, we're going to be so good. We're still under, you know, Carson hasn't even gotten his payday. And, um, you know, we have this offensive line intact. And and then all of a sudden it went to shit. It yeah, went it just totally goes to show you, man. Like you got to. You got to seize the moment when you have the opportunity. And I don't think football is really like a cyclical thing like that, though. I mean, like you can, you can, Eagles could, could be in the NFC championship game next year. And you would, you know what I mean? Like, they, like stuff yeah. happens that fast in the NFL, like an injury, you know, whatever happened. I mean, just think like Buccaneers this year, they, but, they turned it completely around just by getting a quarterback. But that year, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't go down, that's a very problematic thing. In 2017, yeah. so you, I mean, like that's how fragile everything is in the NFL, and how you got to, you know, there's that like luck factor and everything that that comes into it. Um, oh, but I, so yeah, I guess I don't know. We don't know, and can we have a damn press conference? Yeah, that's the other weird thing is we haven't had him actually come out and talk. You know, I need to see what visor he's going to rock. And can our can our like beat reporters actually ask some questions this time and get some straight answers? And I, I want to know more about the Doug fire. Like, I, there's so much more I want to know, and I guess we're just never gonna know. I guess we're never yeah, gonna. Let's find out about that. Let's find out why the hell this guy got the job. And All you right. know it's gonna be. You know, have you gone to Pat's yet? Have you gone to Geno's? Yeah. I've held you back long enough. Held me back? No, Chuck. I've held Chuck back long enough. Let's oh. talk about the Flyers. Yeah, it's just because I'm wearing the jersey. No, it's because you're Chuck and you love the Flyers. That's very true. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, I'm going to say good win tonight. Uh, the Flyers beat the Devils, who, if you haven't been paying attention to the Devils or the rest of the division, are actually better than you might think. They have a lot of young talent, and that young talent's you know, making an impact uh, so far this year. Yeah, we were um, supposed to lose for Hughes, not lose to Hughes. Yes. <laughs> well, last year, not many people were losing to that Hughes. Um, Jack Hughes, not Quentin Hughes, not to be confused with Luke Hughes, who's coming in. Um, but the the Devils have been kind of a, a don't-sleep-on-them team. Now, we did get lucky in that um, Mackenzie Blackwood, who... You know, a lot of Devils fans were talking about two years ago being like, oh, well, you you have Hart, we have we have McKenzie. And we made fun of them. And actually, Blackwood's looking to be a, a pretty decent goalie. I mean, the, the jury's still out. It's very early. But he's been playing well this season. And so we, we had the advantage of him being out with a COVID protocol. But on the whole, I was, I was happy with the Flyers' effort. I was happy they stuck with it. I'm happy that they were able to push through in the third to um to get that win and get in regulation. What was up with the second period today? Um it changed on time. It was there were a lot of chances for the Flyers. You know, let, let's talk about what was good on the whole. Um puck control, winning puck battles, that's been an issue. With the the style of the Flyers play, it's a really high effort style. They throw it in the corner. They're going to get in there. They got to be the first in there, or they at the very least have to be the one that comes out with the puck. That wasn't happening. Um, and the Bruins, bad matchup for the Flyers this year. Um, we have the Islanders coming up. They're going to be the same thing. The Devils play a little more offensive style right now and aren't as good. That helps. But the, the Flyers are doing a lot of good things with puck control, winning puck battles, making smart plays. The second period, as it went on, after getting that quick first goal, we started getting a little dumber, um, you know, playing a little too loose um, and not capitalizing on some opportunities. We had nine shots like they're one. Only had one goal to show for it. And on the third power play, um, Jake Voracek is being saved from the penalty box tonight because this was going to be my penalty box so that's audible. But he was looking to get JVR the hat trick. And he wasn't making the smartest plays. And if you're rolling, if you're not, if you don't have a lot of concerns about how the team is playing, then fine, do that. 
you know, get your line made a hat trick. But he's forcing a pass to JVR, and it gets broken up. He goes in, throws it to the front of the, the net, gets broken up again. Those were not the smartest plays to make. He was trying to get JVR the hat trick. And what we should have been doing is going for blood. And that came back to haunt us. Now, thankfully, in the third period, the Flyers' offensive talent came through. But in the third period, we started seeing more panicking on the team, more panic on the defense, dumb giveaways where the guys have time. Um, Proveroff, man. Somebody's got to sit down and have the talk with Proveroff. I love the kid, but, dude, it's your team. It's your defense now. You can't be the one doing those stupid turnovers. You have to be cool, calm, and collective. You know, like um, that Claude Giroux goal. I think it was the go-ahead goal. Um, yeah, it was. It was the go-ahead goal in the third where Giroux gets the puck and holds it. You know, classic Brindamore holds it scenario and draws the Devils goalie into an odd position. He's out of position, taps it to Nolan Patrick for an empty netter, more or less. That is some. Oh, you mean Claude Drew actually demonstrated some leadership capabilities? He did. He did. Thank you, Mike Sielski. Um, <laughs> you know, it is. I'm wearing my Giroux jersey today yeah. um, because he has surpassed Captain um, Bobby Clark as the longest tenured uh, Flyers captain of all time. How, I know. How, how you feeling about that? Feeling good. He deserves yeah. it. He's he's carried this team on his back through many years with very little help. Um, not a lot to show for it, but he did great. Um, he, I mean, he did the job asked of him. He's been a very good captain for this team. Um, I'm a bit all over the place. What I want to go back to is that that poise that Drew showed throughout. Can the I can I can I ask you a question about that? Because I kind of I was yeah, thinking about go. this today when I was watching the game. The and and give have demonstrate some patience with me with this with this comparison because you're going to be like what the fuck uh, the flyers are a, a bit Vinny Velasquez esque. I'll demonstrate the, the patience. That, yeah, so this is where I need you to demonstrate the patience. Um, in the sense that once things go wrong, they have a real hard time reining it back in and settling it back down. Like it's like once they start pitching from the stretch, it's real tough to get back to the windup when or to get them back to a place where they can go back to the windup. That's fair. Um it's it's been a hallmark of several Flyers teams. You know, we've done the make the playoffs, miss miss the playoffs, make the playoffs, miss the playoffs. And it has been a certain level of panic in their game. Uh, I think back to that uh, season that got Hackstall fired. And a lot of that season, the Flyers got down a little bit, and it was done. You know, we were getting no offensive pressure. Um, the defense was chasing the puck, like I described last week. The defense has calmed down a bit. Even though ignore the Boston scores, the defense have, has calmed down a bit. <laughs> they, they, well, the reason I say that is it wasn't uh, like a whole bunch of cats chasing a laser pointer, uh -huh. which we saw against Buffalo too many times. The whole team was overwhelmed by Boston, which is its own problem. But the defense was a little more patient there. In the third period, we saw a little more cats chasing the laser pointer uh, today. But you're right, Dave. It's been a problem for years. And this is you know, a turning point for me. If you've listened to the show for years, I've been very, very patient with Flyers. There have been a young team. They've been a rebuilding team. You're not so young anymore. You know, The Flyers are not so young anymore. They need people to be better, to be able to calm themselves, you know, Daddy Niskanen's not here to go, hey, calm down, you know, get, get your head in the game. They need to do it themselves. And someone who needs to do that is Provorov. Right. Now, if they build on tonight with the win, I think they play again tomorrow, if not, if not tomorrow, Thursday, also against the Devils. Um, 
if they build on this and have another really good effort, maybe a more consistent effort against the Devils, then they've done that. You know, I'll consider this a success Thursday. if they were able to, you know, gather themselves to have consistent performance going forward. So yeah, Thursday, Thursday against the Devils again. Yep, and then uh, uh, then Saturday and Sunday Islanders, which is going to be like, oh man. <laughs> It's going to be a test. So it's going to be a test. How's the goalie situation shape out? Carter Hart Thursday, Carter Hart Saturday, Brian Elliott Sunday. Does that sound right? We'll see. Um, it's Elliot probably gonna, okay tonight. I thought. Um, it's no uh, Elliott's been good. Elliott's been exactly who you want him to be. He is a veteran goalie. Has been part of a tandem. And, you know, throughout his whole career, he's been part of a tandem. Usually the 1A or 1B who ends up taking over the 1A. He's been a steady hand. You want him to play that role for Hart. Hart isn't Provorov. Hart's not the guy going, hey, it's on you to get your own head in the game. And Hart hasn't been bad. He's had really great stretches, but he hasn't been Carter Hart, you know, future Vesna winner. Um, Elliot you know, in the 40 game, uh, 40 save shutout over Buffalo was phenomenal. Um, tonight, he was very good. He was very good and steady when you needed him to be. And I so, thought he was good when he came in in relief in that first Buffalo game. He was. He was. Um, so we've seen a lot out of Elliott. I think they're going to go to Carter um, against the Devils. And, yeah, let's hope Carter has a, a really strong performance. The team plays well in front of him. And then, like you said, Gene – start him against the Islanders and then have Elliot on the back end of it. That yeah, Islanders not Islanders are not playing great hockey right now. Um they're not um I'm not actually too up on just how well the Islanders are doing, but I mean just from a record standpoint. Yeah, but the you know, 500 team Well, the, the we're in Early. the our division is even harder than it seemed before the season started because the Devils if their young talent really hangs in there, they're going to be a pain in the ass. They right. they won't they won't make the playoffs because there's the too devil, much other talent in the, the division. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. <laughs> um, but and and Buffalo could be a pesky team, and they're look. The please Islanders don't talk had, to me about the Rangers being uh, better than people think no. that they are. Okay. Rangers have have are off to a bad start, and they they might be the the odd man out here. It might be sorry, Rangers, not your year. Go get another freaking number one draft pick. Right. But um, the Islanders are just a bad matchup for the Flyers. You know, the Capitals are you know just getting points in every game they play, but they're a much better matchup for the Flyers. Penguins. Um, you know, they've won most every game they've played. They've, they have four wins and two right. losses. Those two losses came to the Flyers. Fly, uh, Penguins are a much better matchup for the Flyers. So, you know, just- the, the, the mass mutual really traditionally is one of the toughest divisions. <laughs> in yeah. And, you know, just like most mutual funds, it's diversified. <laughs> your talent is spread out across a lot of different teams. You know, you get, Something like the Scotia Bank, um, North, yeah. not diversified. You're picking and choosing there. You're going for uh, the Leafs. You have all your money in the Leafs, so it's not mm-hmm. spread out that town. It saves you from market fluctuations. The, in the case Leafs. you wondered what Chuck's day job was. <laughs> um, all right. So obviously you're not panicking at four, two, no. and one. Um, uh, but I mean, like, what are you? Can are you have any concerns? Or do you feel like everything's fine? Or no, I have concerns. I, yeah. I definitely have concerns. I had set um, February second as a arbitrary date, even before uh, Katoria got injured. Is this the new Thanksgiving? Was... No, 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 not even that. This is this is my date in my head that I said this is going to compensate for no preseason. This is going to count for a very short training camp because there's going to need some time to gel for some time to to get 
you know, really rolling. Um, What's new Thanksgiving this year? Is it going to be like St. Patrick's Day? Mm, yeah, that's a good guess. Let's say that. Let's say okay. that. Probably. We'll know who's for real by St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, we definitely will. We definitely will. I think it's probably going to be more like uh, last week of February, but let's say St. Patrick's Day. That's just more fun. Okay. Um, but we should – this team should be trending in a more consistent direction, and they haven't been doing that yet. And the loss of Couturier, and I'm, I'm going to put a little – you know, sort of kick myself on my initial thoughts. When Couturier went out, I'm like – that's a big loss, but it's a loss that could be made up by the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a Giroux. It's not like, um, eh, I would say a Konechny, but you have a couple of players who are Konechny. It's a team that prides itself on its depth. Well, well, that's the thing. Katori is just such a great all-around player that – He's really missed when he's out of the lineup, but he's not some dynamic talent that you can't replace. Right. But everyone needs to step up their game a little. And I thought, okay, everyone step up your game. And that just hasn't happened. You know, if it was we're losing a Giroux and they go, hey, Konechny, go be the man. Go be the offensively creative guy. That might have been easier to fill where my initial thought was, no, everyone just has to be a little bit better which hasn't worked out that way so far. (laughs) So again, not concerned on the whole, uh, but there's definitely concerns, definitely concerns to be had, but I'm not worried. We'll put it that way. You know where you could take your concerns? Where Dave? To the penalty box. There's going to be a whistle noise, people. (laughs) Broken. Oh no! Broke my whistle. I will just have to use our imaginations. So whistle, 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 Dave. There we go. (laughs) See, we used our imaginations and it manifested. It was like Tinkerbell coming back to life. So, Dave, who is in your penalty box? Okay, today I am putting Mets Twitter uh, into my penalty box. Um, You know, obviously the signing of JT Romito today was uh, big news. Uh, Twitter was kind of very live. Philly's Twitter was very abuzz with it. But every every tweet about it that I clicked, immediately underneath it, there was some Mets fan or, you know, blogger or whatever talking about uh, fifth place team, still fifth place team, uh, overpaid, you know, uh, just there to really – dump on uh, our excitement with it. And now look, I am not above going to another team's Twitter um, to wreak it's some one of your favorite I'm activities. Not, I, I am not above that. Uh, but what I will do is I will not go to their Twitter when something good happens for them. I, I will only go to pile on the bad. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to tear you down, you know, if, uh, if the um, – you know, when the Mets signed Lindor, the last thing I wanted to go, to do was to go look at Mets Twitter and see them all excited about yeah. it. So, uh, you know, honestly, if you think if in your mind the Phillies are still a last place team, uh, you know, why are you why are you hawking our uh, our Twitter feeds and uh, really crapping on our our JT parade? So for that, I'm going to put uh, Mets Twitter into the penalty box today. All right, Mets Twitter. Uh, you're still living in the shadow of Yankees Twitter. Yankees Twitter at least knows how to brag. You don't come troll people when they've done something to help their team. Wait for it to fail. Wait for them to do something stupid. Mets Twitter. Uh, you're taking a 15-minute train ride to Queens. It's going to take you at least 35. <laughs> and your mascot's still Mr. Met. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite moments in late night history is uh, after the Mets blew their lead and allowed the Phillies to get into the playoffs. Conan O'Brien did a series uh, with Mr. Met and the Philly fanatic more or less sleeping with Mrs. Met, just <laughs> ruining his life. It was it was, was phenomenal. Uh, all right, Gene, who is in your penalty box? So uh, I'm going to take you on a little journey, a little nostalgic journey. I don't know mm-hmm. if you heard of this channel on your televisions but i recommend it if you haven't it's called buzzer anybody seen buzzer 
buzzer is for classic, classic old game shows. Um, it's got stuff going back to like 60s era password up through. And this is what I really dig. Some sweet, sweet 90s supermarket sweep. Um, <laughs> but here's what I'm going to put in the penalty box. Certainly not buzzer. It's one of my favorite things in the universe. Um, I get lost in it for days. It's it's it was everything that I loved about the game show network when it first came along. It was all mm -hmm. of that. You know, how many how many times can I see Betty White say something's kind of dirty? Um, so but one of the things is if you watch enough uh, of that 90s, I mean, 90s fashion was particularly bad. But the person I'm putting in the penalty box, and this is very retroactive. I don't even know if they're still in the industry is the person who made the choice that at the end of Supermarket Sweep back in the 90s, you would have to put on like your team colored sweatshirt to do the actual sweep at the end. You know, where you tried to win the game. And um, the thing I've noticed is everyone had their team color with a white collar. And I guess it didn't compute to me as a youth, but those collars were sewn on to those sweatshirts. <laughs> they, they were not their actual collars just peeking up over. No, these were attached to the sweatshirts. They couldn't just wear sweatshirts. They had to wear sweatshirts with really, really dorky collars. So whoever in Mark Goodman's empire decided on putting white collars on primary colored sweatshirts, you need some time. And you needed some time then. Hopefully in the you know, intermeaning decades, you've you've sufficiently atoned. But if not, you should have a seat. All right, sweepers. If you've made a mistake and ended up in the penalty box, get that stain out with a bottle of Shout. Clorox. You guys <laughs> don't see the show. Come oh. on, they would give up that rhyme. You have to find it at the end. Yeah, I can't look oh. that off the top of my head. I was way too proud of that. Well, no, that was a good job by you. That was, uh, that was yeah. a fail, fail on our part. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Um, supermarket sweep and the sewn on Dickies, you get a two minute minor. And that's all you guys get. You know, okay, wow. <laughs> you certainly made us pay for that. So, who's <laughs> in the penalty box? You guys are. No, um, <laughs> um, I think this person's been penalty box adjacent, if not actually in the penalty box. Um, going to our friends at Crossing Broad. Um, first off, um, Anthony Sanfilippo, get better. Um, he was hospitalized with uh, COVID-19. I haven't heard any updates in a while, but at least it's I, I, been I a while. I think I saw him put up a message last week that yeah, was, he's, he's a, he's, thank he's, you for all of your support, and I'm getting better. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy to hear it. But who won't be happy to hear this is his co-host of Snow the Goalie, uh, Russ Joy. And I know you're Russ going. was teasing something throughout the game. Like, I might have a hot take coming up. I might have a hot take coming I'm gonna up. Break, I'm going to break Flyers Twitter, but I'll say Yeah, I'm going to break Flyers Twitter with this hot take. And here's the, the hot take. The fact that you cannot definitively say Carter Hart would have performed better than Brian Elliott is proof that AV needs to consider a 60-40 split for starts, Hart needs to play a more fundamentally sound game, Philly as constructed can't tread water till Couturier slash Myers are back. We'll get to that point in a moment. His follow-up, immediate follow-up, no time for anyone to respond, is, in fact, it's not even a hot take. It's the right take. It's only a hot take for those who would rather stick their head in the sand than acknowledge seeing with their own eyes. <laughs> who the fuck is he arguing with there? He made a point and then said, and all you people are so mad at my point. Like, you are sticking your head in the sand. No one had replied yet. I said, nice straw man argument. And he's like, do you disagree? And I had to define what a straw man argument was. <laughs> you made up a bad guy and then you knocked him down. Good for you. Right, right. <laughs> Congratulations. But before that even, it's, I'm going to break Flyers Twitter. I have a hot take. A hot take is not necessarily something to be proud of. 
you know, if you're if you're planning on on your take being hot, it means you're a hack. If you have something that's, hey, it's a bit controversial and you will jokingly call it a hot take, then sure. And and maybe that's what he was doing here. But he certainly seemed damn proud of this rather lukewarm take. You know, <laughs> I, I had mentioned, we talked about Elliot and how well he's played. That's the reason you hire Brian Elliott. He is a veteran backup. He's been in tandem. He's usually 1A or 1B. You have him here to help your young goalie. And what's he doing? He had two starts and one appearance in relief. And then 60-40 split. Okay. What do you think? Who? Why isn't AV considering that? Do we not know that? Why wouldn't he be considering that? In this abbreviated season with back-to-back games. It's not even a dramatic increase uh, into what the split probably was going to be going into the season, which was probably a, like a 75, 25 or a 70, 30. So it's yeah, not even I, like you're going to be you put oh, yourself so been, far out there. Yeah. It might have even been 65, 35. I'd say 50, 50. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you want to say you have some ball, make, make, um, uh, make Elliot the star until further notice, something like that. Hart needs to play a more fundamentally sound game. Hart's struggling a bit, but not terribly much. And his fundamentals are phenomenal. It makes him a great goalie. And then Philly has constructed can't tread water till Couturier and Myers are back. Doesn't seem like exactly what the Flyers are doing right now. Like they're four, two, and one. They're yeah. Yeah, and Couturier's been out pretty much since the first game. So they're what three, two, and one. That's that's like treading water like kind of well, you know, and and your goalie's helping you. So and if, and if the, they win two of the next three this week, then I would say they're doing better than treading water, and that's not unrealistic. Yeah, no, it's not, not at all. It's a different kind of scene. It was just nonsense from beginning to end, and it's a whole bunch of look at me, aren't I special? Well, rest joy. You're getting a 10-minute game misconduct because I give out the penalties and I'm particularly annoyed. But 10-minute game misconduct, your hot take is ice cold. It's funny that we always say treading water. Do, uh, do people tread anything other than water? Uh, they Mills? tread salt. Yeah. What's ah! That? We said that. <laughs> I didn't even hear it. What did you? Gene and I both said they tread mills. Because uh. you gave us the punny setup. Yeah, and Gene no, 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 and I, I being it. good audience members, replied. It was good. All right, Chuck, I'm sorry about the damn Clorox. <laughs> all right. I knew it was a stretch when I did it. <laughs> Look, I'm just trying to tread chicken soup here. All right, we'll get through this. All right, but that's all the time we have for today. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday night. We'll be talking about uh, you know how the Flyers did uh, over the weekend. Hopefully, we'll get a press conference out of the Eagles, see if the Phillies can sign a, a shortstop. Um so until then, uh, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, also, check out the Painted Lines on YouTube. Um, if you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Painted Lines. They have all kinds of podcasts. Um, and uh, until we speak again, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.